Welcome to Full Metal RBG. I'm your host. I'm not a host. I'm Richie Buzzkill. We killed the hosts. Just me left. Uh, actually, this is season four. Don't call it a comeback. Call it a retread. Uh, we're going to do some strip back stuff. We're going to come back to like one, two people, three people on a show. Not a lot of extra uh, production, just great great conversations at the back of the rpg store um and i've got one of my oldest friends here with me tonight he i've known him since my first role-playing game nolan welcome to welcome to the show nolan uh thank you rbk i'm yeah uh long time listener first time caller yes uh he's a big supporter uh we uh he's a patron i'm a patron still too uh i want to keep this rolling we've uh you believe you were in that west end star wars game that was my first role-playing game ever i think it was a laconic scout or something like that yeah i i was uh of course i picked a jedi for my first character because i'm a basic bitch so like uh yeah yeah all the way back then but yeah i think uh I think Paul has known you longer. He's been on the show. Paul has known uh, me longer. I, I had to wait until you came to the high school to meet you. So right, but we 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 lived in different towns and then came in the same high school. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I had to wait. Yes, but yes, we have known each other a good fucking long time now. Yeah, um, we have. And uh, we have played a lot of games and there was a time period when I hadn't seen you for a long time because you went to college and you had made a whole new crop of friends that we all now Voltron into a new crew that we play online on Saturday nights. So that's true. Um, but and that on the Saturday nights, we played a game and I want to talk about this game so that, you know, might as well just get into Brendlewood Bay. Now, Brendlewood Bay, <laughs> when you hear this description, it is probably the least metal description of all time, except until you hear the turn, because I think that's when you get into the more interesting thing. So, Nolan, would you like to, to describe this game? Uh, sure, yeah. I am definitely the source of a bunch of uh, weird shit RBK has played, like everything... Uh, you heard Brendan say, like, what are you playing? <laughs> you know, uh, something is wrong here, I think. The weird uh, Twin Peaks uh, thing with weird mirror, talking to yourself in a mirror and all kinds of strange gaming experiences. I'm definitely into weird indie nonsense, but uh, yeah. Uh, so this is another one of those problems where RBK has gotten caught up in my weirdness. Uh, but yes, uh, so Brindlewood Bay is kind of an uh, ensemble murder she wrote with an occult twist to it. Um, yeah, I don't know what the audience, but Murder, She Wrote was a TV series that ran from 1984 <laughs> to 1996. Ask your parents. Uh... Ask your parents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but it could be many different other procedural TV mysteries, right? That, exactly. That, that we're... Um... That we're gonna we're we're talking about you know you could play X Files with this you could play, uh, Columbo you could play any kind of procedural detective work, 
but this game in particular has the twist of it kind of po points you to playing elderly women. Now, you could make any definition of women you want, but you could also allow for any elderly people going around, putting their noses where they don't belong to solve mysteries. Now, it does a very different way than most role-playing games. Nolan, what kind of mechanics are we talking about here? How is this uh, laid yeah. out? You want me to jump straight to the, the big hook, or you want me yeah. to run well, the mechanics in, in general? Yeah, let's, go, let's go general, and then we'll go to the big hook. All right, great. Um, yeah, uh, so you play as uh, Murder Maidens, members of the Murder Maidens Book Club. Like I said, they're elderly ladies. They're obsessed with the Gold Crown Mysteries by Robin Masterson, featuring, featuring the Gold globe trotting super sleuth Amanda Delacour. And uh, they use their expertise uh, that they've gained from these books to solve real life mysteries. And they're famous in this little New England seaside town of uh, Brindlewood Bay for solving these mysteries. Uh, and as they work through the mysteries, there's more and more hints about a cult worshiping a dark aspect of the goddess Persephone. Uh, so the basics, structure of the game. It's a very kind of uh, stripped down Powered by the Apocalypse kind of thing. Uh, there's six stats and a small number of moves. Uh, yeah, each character gets kind of a special move that makes them unique. Uh, and it shows how much the game loves 80s, 90s TV. Uh, all those special moves reference a particular 80s or 90s TV show. Uh, yeah, and from there, um, they solve mysteries. And the big mechanical innovation uh, is the mystery solving piece. Uh, so I, as the GM, uh, hand out clues, and the players interpret them in terms of they literally tell me the answer to the mystery, like who killed this individual, right? How did, how did the murder happen and who... Who done it? Uh, on my side of the screen, I don't have a correct answer to uh, who done it. I leave that up to the players to put together the thing, and they have a move that they interact that they interact with at the end, the mechanical piece they interact with at the end, where they put the clues together and they roll. And if uh, they've put the clues together in a reasonable way, uh, that's who did it. That's uh, I, I've given them you know, number of suspects, everybody in the whole, all the NPCs in the thing are uh, very suspicious. And uh, they'll pull those up and decide who did it. Uh, and so this kind of is looking in a certain way to like solve the same thing Gumshoe is doing, where Gumshoe says like, you have to give the players the critical clues. They need to solve the mystery. But in Gumshoe, there is a right answer, right? Whereas in Brindlewood Bay, there isn't a right answer, and the players decide what the right answer is. So that's the big mechanical innovation that uh, I think makes this game special. We can talk about some of the other. No, I, I, I think that's it. I think that's a good uh, 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 summary. I think that that idea of the mystery has no solution except for what the players are going to use the these 
clues that they have collected. And we'll get into how you collect clues here in a minute, because I have some thoughts about that. But I think that's kind of mind blowing because it's sort of like it. And we we had some stumbling blocks with this. This there was there was some friction that kind of worked against this idea a little bit during during play, because we just finished a whole campaign of this. Right. We've. I mean, how many sessions were there? 12, 13? 10 or 11. I actually think the last one's numbered 10, actually. So, but right. there's. But you had a couple doubles. Ran over, so. Yeah, a couple doubles. And, yeah. yeah. A couple doubles, but uh, yeah, the, there were 10 total mysteries. Yeah. And the game actually has. Uh, I was going to talk about this later, but now it's probably a good time since it came up. The game actually has a mechanism in it to conclude the campaign, right? It has this arc and it runs a nice, you know, maybe 10 to 15 episode arc. Um, and as the players um, find clues, they'll also find in particular cases, what are called void clues. And each void clue kind of reveals more about the creepy conspiracy at the heart of Brindlewood Bay, um, but it also moves us along the track for um, what I'm revealing about the conspiracy and how the game's moving from kind of a, a cozy grandma's getting into trouble, being spunky and solving mysteries to more of a, you know, grandma's in like serious mortal peril from occult forces. Kind of the theme of the game transitions over the course of that arc. And when I reach a certain number of uh, void clues that the players have collected as a group, uh, then, I'm, then it triggers the final uh, mystery and they have to uh, face the cult. And I personally love that bit because I am, as RBK will know, historically bad at closing down campaigns. Well, that's like everybody always says, oh man, you got to play a campaign of this. You got to play a campaign. And then we start so many campaigns and yeah. so many of them do not work. Yeah, but I have a goodly number of like, you know, but 30, the, 40 session campaigns that just fizzled out. There's so. there's reasons. There, there are many reasons like overreach. Anyway, but in this case, we actually did complete the campaign, right? We completed the campaign. I think what turns this because the initial idea of these cozy grandmas like take you know solving mysteries sounds a little you know wallpaper and doilies it just it doesn't it but when you add this idea that there's a dark conspiracy behind everything and i think what also adds into this is the fact that like when you miss on a roll you you start marking boxes it's not like you don't actually can't take damage like there's no da there's conditions but there's no actual damage but you can you can like corrupt your you grandma about the crowns yeah might as well talk about the crowns so yeah so uh on the character sheet when the characters uh are generated uh you have a certain number of uh seven uh crowns of the queen uh which are uh just kind of aspects about uh, your character as a woman and a mother, and like they're all reminiscences about uh, that character's life. And there are crowns of the void, which are 
uh, represent the character falling further and further into the clutches of the dark conspiracy. Uh, and all of these are basically get-out-of-jail-free cards. So there's no hit points or anything like that in this game. Um, but every time you fail, uh, I can tell you, you know, what's at stake in this role is, you know, your maven's going to get a, get shot, right? You're going to be killed, right? And even if you botch, you have on your uh, character sheet these get-out-of-jail-free cards called crowns. And you can only use them once per lifetime of the character. And as you start taking them off, uh, yeah, they're, they're expended. And yeah, it always just moves uh, in the traditional Power by the Apocalypse way. It moves complete miss up to a partial hit or partial hit up to a, a full hit. Uh, so anytime you're in a situation where you need to make a move to save your life, even if you miss, you can take one of these uh, crowns and that will bump you up to at least a partial success where you do save your life at some cost, right? Uh, so in the long term, these are kind of like permanent hit points. These are a, a death tracker uh, for the character. And because, what's, uh, what's even interesting about that is because, and, and these boxes aren't just boxes, okay? They will, they just, they say you are required to do a thing, right? That's true. It, it's, it's not just, it's not just like, oh, you took a damage. Like you got to tell you then at some point, either right then or some point later, you have to tell a flashback to, of your fondest memory with your late partner or uh, a scene presenting a day showing how you satisfy your physical desires. Like there is some like really interesting like and then you get it that's the crown of the queen that's relatively benign like there's there's some cool stuff in there but it's not like you're paying a real price right and yeah it is interesting that there's that like aspect of uh to save yourself you, you do character development right like you don't have to build this character out super big up front but like as you have to tap the crown of the queen you're going to build out some of your character's background, like right there, you're going to do a flashback later and, you know, uh, you know, talk about, uh, yeah. Talk about, you know, a burgeoning romance in your character's life or something, you know? Yeah. Or, or you know, it, it just, it go back to your, build your family out, make them more interesting. Um, and that's, I think that, I think there's a lot of mechanics in here that you could pull to use for other power by the apocalypse. Like, I think that this game, spoiler alert, I think this game has some stuff that you could use from to, to build your next generation PBTA or indie game in it. And then you start like, once you get through those, or you can even just mark them as you want. There's these crowns of the void where the void is like the conspiracy or the dark, the darkness behind it. You start marking those then you start getting mechanical changes that also show that you have a deeper shadow in the world. And, and that's where you kind of get some more grit and some more interesting like shadows around the edges of the, of the game. And that pushes the narrative a little further in that direction. Um, yeah. Yeah. The crown of the void, you know, is definitely, you know, as you tick those off, you know, you're uh, kind of 
getting more occult powers and stuff that tempt you towards the thing and like different uh you know during more things would normally be kind of uh cozy uh cozy scenes kind of thing you have to bring in dark elements about you know how your character is a little bit you know tainted by their dealings with the uh with this occult these occult forces you know it's definitely bringing creepier aspects to your character, yeah, as you tick those off. And those are ultimately uh, the final death counter, right? Like, once you tick... You do them in off. order. Those you do yes. in the order. The other you can do in any order you want. But those in That's order. True. And, and the last one is, like, retire your character in a way that shows how they've been lost to the void, right? So that's, like, that's the death mark for this Uh you can get right. conditions that are like affect how you're rolling and how you're doing in the game, which we've seen in some other stuff like uh, the Yellow King and some other other things, which I th I think those are really cool. And then like to get experience points, they're trying to push you to play a grandma. So so there's like, you know, dote on someone and like some other like grandma elderly behaviors that they want to push so you kind of mark those and, and that i really like that as a mechanic for pushing role playing of the actual characters and get to get experience points so that's really uh quite nice uh sometimes it's a little difficult <laughs> but you can you, you can shoehorn most of them together so yeah, I just wanted to jump back real quick to one thing you said uh, a moment ago that about uh, this being kind of something you might build a next generation indie RPG thing on, and something that's probably uh, of more interest to the audience than weird grandma mysteries uh, is uh, Jason Cordova, who's the author of this, uh, actually wrote Brindlewood Bay uh, to solve a problem he was having in his new rpg like the between i think it actually was released on drive through during the time our campaign was running uh and that's uh and that's a game about along the similar lines about uh monster hunters in victorian era london uh kind of a little more uh <laughs> a little more in in genre for role playing like yeah. th this is like way off genre even though it sort of makes sense once you think about it, but like this is like well taking a taking a character as you almost never see and putting them right front and center, which is very you know and I'm always very gauntlet. Very I'm always tempted by those off genre things because like I've done fantasy a thousand thousand right. times, and I'm like oh something freaking weird. I'm 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 here for that, but you know I know not everybody is right. Lots of people like you know like what they like and uh but yeah uh kind of yeah penny dreadful from hell league of extraordinary gentlemen kind of thing uh would be the kind of uh pieces you'd play in the between and uh you know but it's similar but he was having trouble with the mystery aspect of um of the between and he said kind of like well let's put down all the like monster hunting and craziness and let's just like what would be a game that's just about mystery solving and how can i like work out this mechanic for solving mysteries uh and the game that came out of that is brindlewood bay and he had to solve that first before he could 
finish the between. So. That, that's an interesting method. You don't often hear about that, or I mean, maybe people do that and don't talk about it. But like, I, lo I love that idea. But I also, I like some of this stripped out, but I feel like when we get, let, let's, we can roll into the, your, the campaign you actually ran here, but like, it, it's sort of some of my thoughts about mechanics come from some of the things that we ha happened in the campaign. Right. So, right. Sure. Of course. Yes. Your closest experience. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we, we started in September, I think. Yep. And, uh, we got rolling and we had some, had some uh some ups and downs you know the the whole holiday season the whole absence of full metal rpg the you know we we're we were not rolling outside of you know what that you know how any other table um but we had um i think we built steam like it was <laughs> as we went now when you running we... when you're running this were you were you picking up different like pre-written mysteries and kind of like shuffling them together to make this is that what you were doing yeah, that's exactly right yeah uh the book comes with four or five and uh you can get an expansion with four or five more and of course itch.io is uh covered with people that have written a bunch of expansion to these so yeah i cobbled them together and i did try and um use the ones in the core book earlier because the core book ones tend to be uh you know more of that uh cozy mystery kind of aspect uh whereas you know some of the later ones get weird you know we had a, like a dark circus episode and a dollhouse and, you know like i tried to hold those creepier ones back for later uh was my strategy on that because like i wanted to i didn't want the tone to like follow that arc that is imagined in the in the rules yeah, I think that's a, I think that was a good idea because that's like supposed to be the arc, right? You're everybody's supposed to be getting closer to the void and closer to the to the you know the mystery. And I think the closer you get to a mystery like that, I think the darker the world kind of seems. Um I think But yeah, the just to talk about the jamming, like the for like, you know, something to just throw together and run on a Saturday afternoon, this game is fucking baller. Like, <laughs> like the setup for a game is like one and a half, maybe two at the outset, like pages. And it's literally, you know, you have here, you know, a list of uh, kind of a setup, an initial kind of like, where does this mystery take place? What's basically going on? You know, who's dead and what's the situation of their death. And then you get uh, like one paragraph for each character, just kind of, they're like this and they're very kind of stock character like, you know, a lot of things you can play kind of over the top. I think you had some like creepy guards at the doll museum and stuff that were like really just like over the top. When, yeah, when, is, a when is a guard at a doll museum not going to be creepy? I mean, like that was sort of like, come on. Like you yeah, gotta, well, you gotta be a little loose, like, dolls, like a little too much. Yeah, loose in the head a little bit to even build a doll museum, let alone guard a doll museum. So like, 
you know, uh, I'm not <laughs> kind of like stock characters, and they're kind of a little over the top, which is like what you need for a like thing. And everybody's like super suspicious that they've all got like some reason that you could at least conceive of them murdering the victim, right? Uh, some of them are more friendlier than others. Some of them, like, obviously have a lot more artifice to them, and they're, like, you know, trying to be rich, formal people, and they're, you know, but everyone has, like, at least got something suspicious about them. So you all can pick, literally anybody, like, you could pick the uh, sheriff of the town, like, he was a recurring NPC, and, yeah, at any point you could have told me, like, oh, actually, you know what, the sheriff did this, right? Like, um, we we like to we like to uh, really take the screws to the sheriff that was like half the fun was just like just like, really telling the sheriff that he was a dumbass like that was like, like in the most elegant old way <laughs> little old ladies are solving all your cases what is it that you're doing here yeah what exactly is it you do here <laughs> yeah um i found that like as a player, a lot of times with the, the characters, there were definitely characters. I think the group almost immediately went, no, that's not the that that's not the murderer. And that's sort of like maybe some of the the like downside of this mechanic of there's no set solution is clearly the unexpected murderer. We did that a couple times, but a lot of times we're like nah it's not the it's not the nice little girl that found the body like that clearly could have just murdered this guy no no clearly it's like four people who were all in love with this one dude like <laughs> exactly yeah i mean that's the thing. i have a little bit of trouble with that uh my side because uh just in terms of talking about what else is on this little sheet is there's a list of like 20 random clues, right? Like, uh, let's see here. What is, uh, I think this one's, yeah, this is about the circus or whatever. Like, just things you might find at the circus. Uh, hastily written love letter. A threatening note uh, with letters cut out of a magazine. Uh, flyers from a local animal rights group uh, protesting the animals in the circus, speckled with blood. Safety override lever removed from one of the attractions. You know, a shattered crystal ball. You know, these kind of, you know, just these are the like clues that I would hand out. You know, like people would search around or they'd ask someone. And uh, I, on my side, I just get, you know, 20 of these things, right? You probably only need 10 or 15 to solve the mystery. Uh, and from my side, there was a weird piece to that, that like there were definitely. Almost every time there were two to three clues, he just really pointed at someone, one of the characters, right? Like, you know, there'd be, you know, a suspicious environmentalist or something, and it would be like, oh, the land developer that's dead, like, there's an environmental, you know, you find, like, a, you know, environmental permit that he's, like, forged or something. Right. Uh, I'm like, well, that just like directly points to the environmental list uh, as being the murderer. And like, I don't, I as the GM don't want to give that clue. Fortunately, I've got like 20 of them so I can like dodge them. But also, why is it in the mystery if it's so obvious that I basically can't use it? Right. Yeah. And as a, as a player, you know, when you find a note, 
right? The natural, if you played another RPG, the, the natural no, the idea is like, mm. well, what's the note say? But as a GM, you can't say that. You can't tell me yeah. what the note says because that ruins the like, well, you know, it's it's colored like it tells you it's a love note. But like that we can do what we want at the end. This is one of the things that I find sort of frustrating for, as a player. I'm sure you found frustrating. Yeah, as I a think GM. This, is, this is what we really. Yeah, this is the core of like where the gears grind in this thing. I think I think you've hit on it is like. I need to give you. With these very abstract clues and these characters and the situation, I need to give you enough background that you can form a hypothesis. Because if I'm just like, oh, there's a note and you can't read it, right? Uh, then you've got nothing. So often I have to say, you know, who specifically? Right? It says a, you find a threatening note with letters uh, cut out of a magazine. I happen to know that, you know, I put a message in there when we ran that circus game about that that was a threatening note to the deceased, right? But it doesn't doesn't need to be, right? It could be a threatening. Yeah, I mean, it could so be I, a note I, from I anybody, these, right? Yeah. Like, I didn't say who it's from, obviously, um, but I did at least give you, you know, what specifically it was threatening. You know, it's threatening his life, and. Um, and who it was too, right? Because you need some more structure than what's given here. So I have to, you know, ad lib, do some kind of uh, yeah, improv stuff on the fly. Uh, when I pick which clue to give you, I need to give you a little more than, oh, you guys find this clue and you'll decide what it is later. Because that, if I just do that, like the whole thing ends up feeling you just might as well give us points right you yeah, might as well just go this is a clue point like here um that's that's sort of the frustration comes with in some of the this this game is just like okay normally in a mystery you find something that is colored right there th this is something you really do find from what you know real mystery cases but like there's a as a as a game, that's a little hard to really roll up into one thing, right? It's, it's in such yeah. a limit in limited space. You're like, well, right. <laughs> and it goes against every instinct. You know, if you're playing Call of Cthulhu or whatever, like if you're used to playing Call of Cthulhu or any of those like, you know, mystery solving type games, like it goes against every instinct of your body to be like, I want to like take this piece of paper and I have like fucking forensics guy like <laughs> take it apart and i want to know what the ink is and who the you know whatever because you're thinking like there is a solution right and, like i was always very willing to like at least give you like an initial like okay here's roughly what you see and then people would ask for more and i'd be like okay you know i tried to do this i don't know if it was annoying to you or as a player or not but i tried to say okay i can tell you what it is, but if I tell you more detail about this clue that it's specifically from this type of typewriter or it's in this or it's in a you know a woman's handwriting or whatever, right, that that's gonna then collapse your it limits uh, our possibilities of the solution as it would in the real world, but it doesn't it would is this game is supposed to be this like freewheeling end game 
But see, what I found a little frustrating was even like talking in this game. Like you're supposed to. So you're like. You're you're most of this is just like going about around interviewing people like occasionally you're like snooping around and you're finding stuff, but like you're supposed to just talk to these people. And I found it a little frustrating to be like, have a conversation and then get like, ask, well, are you meddling? Leslie? Cause that's the, that's the minute, that's a move to say, are you, you're right. meddling? I think yeah, that, that was a little weird. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Uh, briefly, like, there's very few moves in this game. There's, like, two moves to deal with danger, with, depending on how dangerous thing is, and a move to look for a clue, as RBK just said. Uh, it's called meddling, the meddling move, which is, you know, just like where she wrote, you know, little old ladies getting their business where it doesn't belong. There's a move to kind of connect with your fair, uh, fellow players and kind of heal some conditions. Uh, there's a big damn... Uh, hero move about you know the, you can guarantee yourself a success uh, but you can only use that one time per game and there's kind of a move involving magic and other than that the only move is to solve the mystery um, so it's like very constrained so you're either dealing with danger or you're looking for a clue I think uh, the looking for the clue I don't know if the game imagines that it's a lot more um there's a lot more snooping around and a lot less interviewing. I don't know. Um, but broadly speaking, you know, you're supposed to be able to get these crews from interviewing people, from uh, snooping around, from all kinds of things, right? Even from the occult powers, right? You ultimately, you know, decide to use your uh, sensitivity as kind of the occult attribute on your character sheet. If you decide to use your sensitivity to do meddling, like you're basically kind of trying to divine a clue to the mystery, right? So any of your stats can be used. And, you know, my kind of ruling on that was, you know, if you're using your kind of presence where your kind of interpersonal skill to interview someone, then yeah, you've triggered the meddling move, right? You've Yeah. And that's you you we will trigger the move, but it's like it's sort of funny this game is so light, but it's kind of mechanically crunchy in a way because you're constantly running into the mechanical wall of the game. Like you're you're like, OK, and I do I do a few things. And and this is this is PBTA. But like when you boil it down to so few things, I feel like it actually kind of constrains you a little bit more, which might some people might actually like more than than the uh than this so i'll also say to what you just said like you bump into the mechanics at a place you don't anticipate it in a traditional like rpg the last place you bump into the mechanics is like a discussion where you're interviewing the suspect right or like talking with another character like that's you know in D D or any of those things that's not where the case where the, like, the mechanics trigger you know the mechanics trigger in combat and you're used to kind of that kind of thing. I'm used to that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, like uh, I wanted, I always want to let you all have like kind of discussion with each of the suspects towards the top of the adventure where you kind of at least get to meet most of the suspects. Uh, and at a certain point you're like, 
really kind of grilling them. So I'm like, oh, at this point, you're meddling, I guess. Roll meddling. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, yeah, all of a sudden, like you said, I've moved you out of your kind of, oh, I was having a nice discussion with this NPC and I was kind of whatever. And now all of a sudden you've engaged the mechanics at a weird at a weird spot. Yeah, I almost think that it would be better not not to diss what we were doing, but like just thinking about it later is like maybe you do the role up front because what I find satisfying about a conversation with a lot of NPCs is figuring out what they what they said what part of what they said is a is a is a clue right in, in you know talking in a lot of world darkness stuff you end up like you might do a social role first or a social role in the middle or yeah. something like that but you're what there's and then that's for the game master to kind of like point out that this section of it is the clue right or whatever and i think the putting the meddling at the end or running into it at that point. And that's a very PBTA thing is like, oh, you describe a bunch of stuff and then, oh, so that means you're doing X, right? But in this case, yeah. I almost feel like you just need to go, okay, I'm making this move and then we're going to talk, right? It's yeah. almost makes the, it almost changes where you would normally run in the mechanics in PBTA. That, that's a good point. Like I probably should have done it either at the, beginning of their end instead of the middle right the middle's a weird yeah the middle's a weird spot but you know well uh, it almost became the end most of the time like when we hit metal sure. it like it was like okay conversation meddling roll clue dump moving on like that happened quite a bit like that was that yeah. was a pretty and that was one of the things that sort of like and i really we were really gay i was really engaged to the back half but there was times when i was really having a hard time like really keeping focused on what was going on sometimes some sessions some early on in that you know it's we do we play five six hours online so like we're only like, four but <laughs> it, sometimes five but you know most people you know i think a good rule and we ignore this rule intentionally, I think, is like two to three hours when you're online is like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Although most of our games also include an hour of BS. Like <laughs> most of it's BS. Let's be frank. But like. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think that there was like. A, that that because they're so light and because you're like, well, clearly we're going to end up here. It may, yeah. unlike a lot of PBTA moves where you shouldn't say you should, it's good for the game master to never use the move name. The players often use the move name, but like maybe we just go, okay, I'm going to be meddling here. Let's roll the dice. And then that, then we'll have our conversation and then you dro drop the clue somewhere in that conversation right. whereas i'm thinking in a little more like you know i i, I take the criticism as you know constructive criticism as intended but like i'm thinking you know my training from pbta land is like when the character does something in the fiction that indicates to me that they've clearly triggered the move i'm like okay now you're like really grilling the suspects and now you've triggered meddling right <laughs> like, right um <laughs> And that that and that's fair enough, and and it works. Yeah. Um, 
as kind of a it eventually worked as kind of a punctuation point on the whole thing so it works out it's just one of those I, things where like you're gonna do I, one no, of three I, I things think you're right i think it would have been better probably at the beginning or at the end at the end is harder for me right because right. my end like i have to pick a clue from this list that they're gonna reveal or generate a new one on the fly right you know i have to generate something that uh Definitely goes towards the murder at hand, but doesn't clearly, you know, exactly implicate one character. It kind of could throw suspicion on a character, but doesn't like say like, ah, obviously like this character was at the scene at the time, you know, like you can definitely pin them down. Right. Um, so I have to generate something like that on the fly, which is a little bit tough. Right. So I'm, I'm kind of searching the clues like, oh, you know, and some of these, clues are intended kind of probably more to be something the characters find uh but then you interview a suspect and the suspect says something about like oh well i found uh you know lock it after the murder right you know yeah and you didn't find it but you learned about it from the suspect because i've you now turned you know something that was probably a meddling intended for uh one of the mavens poking around, you know, back in a back room where she shouldn't be into right. something uh, she's gotten by interrogating a suspect. And, uh, you know, maybe I should have pushed you all to poke around in back rooms more and, sure. and do less interviewing. And, by, uh, and I think that like, um, it, it, it all worked out. We all got through, uh, uh, we all, we got through the, the game and I think it was very satisfying. The end, the end game, the the especially the last session. I think really everything came together nicely. And I think we all kind of like it, the the end, uh, fighting the void. And we we had a big uh, ritual to fight counter ritual, their ritual, and like summoned a god. And like we did all this like genre stuff at the end. And it really was very satisfying. But I'm going to ask you, would you ever run this again? Um, I think I would run something like this again. Probably not. I mean, I would uh, run something based on this system uh, simply because uh, the prep is so quick and easy. Like, it's, you know, as far as gymming, this is, like, great. You know, like, one-page little thing. You don't have to read for hours ahead of time and you can kind of just BS your way through it. If you've got some experience as a GM, uh, I'm kind of interested to hear that you, uh, that the ending was best. I don't know what that is like, because the book has a lot about prepping that final, not a lot, but a significant amount about, uh, prepping that final mystery. And I did a lot more maybe winging it and kind of just, Throwing well, things, I, I think the wing there that maybe I should have, but uh, at the same time I had nine or ten sessions of experience playing the game uh, to build on. So I'm not sure whether uh, maybe you know me looking at these clues and kind of finding an appropriate one from the list is like was like slowing us down and like I could have just completely BS clues. Well, I, I a think lot earlier. And made it more satisfying. Like, I don't well, know. Well, I, I think part of it is like, part of it is that we were a little, we're used to being freewheeling. 
Like, <laughs> realistically, you know, we we do a lot of freewheeling, like, and I think we're used to your freewheeling. But that's I don't think that was it necessarily is that we all had kind of, you know, we had developed our characters to a certain point and we knew yeah. it was the end game and we were into more territory than we're territory we're used to where we're dealing with vampire mermaids and like rituals and like ley lines and like computer scientists developing silly things to develop ley lines like computer science yes this is literally like the territory we live in we lived in this in eternal lives we lived in this in in previous uh games we played and the characters were already kind of worked out and we were just like knocking off uh uh we were just like no 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 this is gonna work we're just knock i think we need to be a little more freewheeling too like i think our characters were not freewheeling enough yeah. we were not marking yeah, enough crowns yeah i actually was gonna talk about that uh later but yeah i uh also think the last two sessions there was a lot more engagement from everyone i think you know you said that you know at certain points you uh, dealt with some disengagement kind of early of like getting what's going on and like uh, but knowing it was coming up on the end I think like all the players were very much you know engaged and I I don't know what to talk what to think about that I mean sort of you'd love to have everybody engaged all the time but that's probably not uh, always realistic um, but I had some a suspicion here about this that I wanted to ask you about like how did you feel about uh, solving the mystery with no true solution because I honestly don't know how I would play that. Like, this is my question is, I don't know if I would play this game <laughs> rather than if I would run it again mm. is because like, I can see it feeling like very much an empty victory. Like, Oh, I, uh, I made up some BS about the clues we found. And then I rolled 2d6 and I got a big enough number to get at least a partial success therefore my solution is correct and it just feels like I haven't solved a mystery uh there's another part of my brain that kind of uh enjoys the fun of kind of using all the parts of the buffalo where I would like what is the most like you know what is the most uh, parsimonious way I could like link all these clues together and describe the thing? So maybe I would enjoy it, or maybe I'd find it very hollow. So I don't know. I was wondering how you found like knowing in your I, knowing for certain that there was no answer. Uh, okay, how did you feel about it? So I had every emotion about this end mechanic that you possibly could have. Okay. This was not like a constant, like, I hated it. I loved it. I was neutral on it. Like, I, there was times when I was like, God damn it. The, the end of this is so crunchy and so, like, laborious. Like, we're going through all these clues and, like, giving an answer. It was like taking a test with everybody on online at the same time, right? Like we're all like freewheeling an essay question, essay, 10 essay questions together, right? Right, because at the end, I'm supposed to, when you engage the kind of move about uh, solving the mystery, I'm supposed to challenge you about like any clue that you don't like use or involve some way, I'm supposed to like 
not count that for you, right? Like, so you have to at least either say like, this is how it fits in, or this is how we explain it away. Uh, so I have to kind of a little bit challenge you like, wait, does your, does your theory make sense with this clue? Does it make sense with this clue, right? And so I get what you're saying there. Absolutely. That like, it feels like the GM will now give you a test on your clues. And, and then there was the time that everybody but me decided the dog killed the care killed and was magical. And, and this magic dog was the was the was the homunculi or the 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 servant of this or whatever, yeah. Yeah, whatever of this ancient crone who was killing people. And I was like, no, do not do this. Please do not do this. This is terrible. But everybody, I think, as soon as I said that, went, no, 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 we're full on ahead. Like, but I understand. But there, there's like that's part of democracy. Democracy sucks sometimes. All right. Like uh, and then there's times when. Let's be honest, I love to be a, a to appear to be clever. There's a reason I like being on a podcast and saying clever things, quote unquote, clever things. I like to appear clever. There's when I can take a clue and say something magical and all of a sudden all the pieces slam into place. And that's when I love it. Like it, I had every emotion under the sun, annoyance, hatred, love, apathy. I had everything under the sun, all extremes for this mechanic in the end of this game. And I'm not going to play it again. I don't think this specific Brindlewood Bay. I don't think I, I've done this game. I don't need to play this again. And that's, yeah. but I would play a different, like if you said tomorrow, cause we both love X-Files cause we're nineties kids, even though there's some problems, right? If you said tomorrow, we're, Two months from now, I'm doing an X-Files game based on it, the in-between or the Brendawood Bay. I will be right there. You know, because then there's a milieu that I'm even more familiar with. Like, I never watched Murder, She Wrote. I never watched any of the... I, I just know these tropes from just, like, absorbing it from the monoculture, right? So, like... Right. And I had a good time. I based my character on my grandmother, like my character was my grandmother and she was a big influence on me. And I really enjoyed bringing out some of those things. Like she would cheat at cards and she loved to bake and like, you know, she'd have one beer and all of a sudden you would be losing at every game. Like all of these things, I, I really enjoyed taking those memories of my grandmother and like using those to shape a character. Like, yes, it's weird but I enjoyed it. But I think that's a it's a uh, it's a great conversation about this game. Is there anything we didn't get to, Nolan, that you'd like to uh, mention or talk about before we get into some business and uh, go? Uh, yeah, I just got a couple things here. Um, uh, I'm less sure about the uh, way we pace to the end of the campaign. You know. Um, for the listeners, there's a mechanic in this uh, when characters are looking for clues and they get a critical hit, uh, 12 or higher on 2d6, uh, they'll find a void clue. And that kind of paces the end of the campaign. And uh, it was very uneven in certain ways, right? Uh, 
relying on that kind of randomness to like pace the end of the campaign uh, kind of resulted in felt like it dragged a little it dragged out a little bit like I feel like we could have had a couple yeah. less sessions I mean I love the end sessions I thought as yeah, they get darker too. but I feel like it dra this mechanic where you randomly gain these clues and if your dice yeah. are not hot you're not gaining them I feel yeah, we like we had some dry spells where it was just like they weren't coming and then like we had like three or four in one session like it went crazy and I was like so it kind of went against this kind of more smooth transition between from the cozy to the creepy right like uh I was less sure about that like relying on just dice you know relying on characters rolling criticals to like trigger that like that can be very swingy and weird yeah uh, I feel like I feel like I would because I what I suggested was using more like a if you were playing this using more of a Morkborg style where you preset out how many um void clues you're going to give out right right the and then thing where it ends the world right yeah where it ends the world and you roll a die and if it's like one two three or whatever and four or four five six you give out a void clue or just like every session you just decide i'm going to give out a void clue and i'm going to make this game seven sessions long right because that then you have a progressive linear <laughs> right. or you know it that that really did i feel like i think we all felt like it was dragging a little bit at some point because we were not getting weirdness like i think we're all a little right. weird <laughs> Exactly. Like it didn't move into the weirdness fast enough for us. And maybe that's just our desire for more weird genre stuff, less cozy stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it got there in a reasonable amount of time. It just yeah, it wasn't like wildly out of whack, but it was uh, a little bit longer than it needed to be. And it was swingy, uh, which was weird. Um, so here, uh, the other thing I want to talk about just. Um, so there's this thing that. I'm not sure I'm good at, and I want your opinion on it. Uh, was I too nice? Uh, should I have moved against the players, I mean, the characters harder as far as partial successes and even, like, misses? I, I tend to be, like, a fan of my uh, player, my characters, uh, maybe to my detriment. Uh, and I felt like at the end, most players had at least a few crowns remaining, and nobody had fallen into the dark conspiracy uh so should i have been hitting you all harder uh i think that made for a better story with more engagement yeah i think that there is uh something to be said for that i think probably initially because you're mixing genres right that in the murder she wrote genre right you don't really do a whole lot to the characters like the characters are pretty much teflon like there's no there's no real thing right but if you as you get into are designed to represent is that like they can be captured by mobsters but they'll always get away because they've always got a crown right they, right they might get tied up right? right they might get they might get threatened with a gun but they're not like you're not slitting throats here this is not that kind of game and, and I feel like maybe there should be there could be a little work done that could maybe ratchet help that ratchet up or change the way that that works. Right. You could also say, OK, we're playing with less crowns of the queen. Right. We're going to only going to play. You, you only have four of those. Right. 
or whatever, like reduce the, maybe there was too much resources. Like you were being, you were being nice and that, but also you should probably have been a little tougher, especially as we went along and you were getting tough towards the end. You definitely were, but I feel like that should have been mid game. And then you like pushed it a little harder, even towards end game. I mean, I, I wrote it down here, so I think, I think you're dead on there. Uh, push you all a little harder. Uh, that would have been good. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. And it particularly, it might have been also something to do with the number of characters, right? Because like, the more characters you have, the more crowns are in play for people to uh, get out of jail free, too. So, you know, as they split up them, the getting into trouble amongst you all, you could kind of spread it out and nobody uses too many crowns, right? So... That might have been some of it too, but I think you're right. I think I need to. I think I need to push a little harder, and I that's something I know about myself as a GM. So, work on that. Um, another piece I wanted to talk about. Uh, there were two moves, and I think this is the last thing. Two moves we didn't use a lot. Uh, the gold crown mysteries move, which was the kind of I'm a big damn hero move, where uh, the characters can uh, guarantee themselves a critical success uh, by saying. That they found, you know, they've taken inspiration from something they found in their favorite mystery novels. Um, and this could only be used once per session by one character. You know, it, there's only one total use per session uh, of this move. But I think we used it two, maybe three times. And I think it was twice in yeah. 10 or 12 sessions. Uh, so you guys had that resource on the table a lot. Uh and the other one was the uh, cozy move and the cozy item, particularly the cozy items, uh, didn't get used a lot, uh, which gave you advantage on certain things where you would roll 3d6, take the two uh, highest uh, as far as your PVTA roll. And uh, that didn't happen a lot either. Uh, so for my side of the thing, like I can't make you trigger moves. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure um do you think these moves are not good do you think they felt cheap or you know uh first of all i think the big damn hero move does feel a little cheap like if you're i mean i suppose if you're backed in the corner but we we were never i mean i guess this goes back to you being a little nice but we never like there's enough of us playing that we were never like backed into corner there was never no, everybody wasn't over a pit every turn, every time we, we were, because we're used to PBTA, we all kind of had teams where like two people go here, two people go here, one person, like it was all always split up. And if shit really hit the fan, we could have just forged in the dark our way into like being, um, there for each other right this yeah somewhat go back to the golden girls like we're, we're we were we could have been there for each other easily right this is this is you know and and the and the cozy moves the cozy items and moves and stuff like i was using my medical bag all the time as a clue finder right yes you definitely were yeah but like because we weren't having a lot of like uh, uh, injuries or something or, or conditions where we they were serious didn't really have to use it as like an advantage maker right but I didn't have a whole lot of like I feel like the cozy stuff is very situational 
the the items are very situational like i could have used my rolodex more like that's a thing i could have done all the time but in some ways i feel like it's a small t- you know a small town like calling for outside help is sometimes a little out of genre but like i i just think that those are just the 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 golden crown one is very situational and the um the the gold crown one is is a little cheap and the the items are a little situational so that's really why i think we didn't go there very much but i think different groups would use would push that button all the time like i think that's a very much a like so yeah, i just saw it i was like well this guarantees you a critical like people didn't use it like that that seemed interesting to me that like people didn't push the button that guarantees them a critical right like well, we're used to putting ourselves in the worst situation. I mean, like when I'm playing an indie game, I'm putting myself in the worst situation possible and digging my way out. Like that's my fun in that particular instance. So if there's a move that just like automatically gets me out of trouble, like, I mean, I did get the move where physically I could do something crazy. And like, I, I only got that towards the end of the game. Um, But like, I think that's because I think it's funny. It's surprising that a little old lady can like throw a shoe and knock a gun out of a guy's hand or something like that. Like, I just think that's funny, but like, it's not, you know, these are not things that need to be happening all the time. And maybe that's why. Yeah. Anyway. So. And that answers my question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, did you have any more things for me? Yeah, no, I, I think that I think that I pretty much covered all the my questions for this game. I mean, whether you'd play it, run it again, or whether you'd, you know, what how you built this up. So I think yeah, I think I would run it again. Like I said, and I think it makes a good con game. Mm, that's that's an interesting subject, probably for another day. But like how yeah. you compress all of this into one game, right? I'm sure that they've got advice for that in the in the book right but to like go from cozy to dark within three to four hours right i don't know that i would try to go all the way but you know i would try to you know hit one of those more towards the middle that was like at least a little bit creepy but right yeah yeah no you gotta you got i think you gotta get some genre in there for a con game like you can't just go full cozy (laughs) yes i agree yeah but i think you know if you picked one of the more middling ones where there was definitely some creepy stuff going on. Like you could uh, definitely run it as a con game. And I think people would get a feel for it. Cause I think a lot of people run, want to run indie games at a con, like just to get a taste of, you know, Oh, what, you know, would I like this? Right. And I think you could definitely do that with Brindlewood. Yes. So anyway, Nolan, you're, you're, yes. you're my oldest friends. One of my oldest friends, Paul, shout out to Showalter. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm so glad to have you guys helping me push the boundaries. And, y- you know, you've been co-producing this show since before I was on it. So, like, <laughs> because of all the weird games you bring to the table. So I, I get to I get to come talk about it. You help me bring content. So we're probably going to see you a couple more times this season. But uh, I I plan on bringing different guests to talk about different topics on every couple of weeks as uh, the world allows. So and those people that help uh, help us do that, 
is our Patreon, our long suffering <laughs> at this point. I paused the Patreon a couple months. I forgot to pause it for February because I was uh, sick with the COVID. Get your shots, people. And I did pretty well, but I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling pretty good. And I'm back on the saddle again. Hopefully we can get some momentum here. And um, I'm going to probably pause it for March just to make up for one episode in February. So, but that doesn't mean you can't show support by signing in and uh it it always brightens my day whenever i see somebody has signed up for patreon or given us a review or bought a t-shirt not that many people have really gotten to that but uh but we still have the t-shirts uh for sale i still have this limited edition beautiful beautiful limited edition uh from wolfmungus the homie Wolfmungus did this beautiful Full Metal RPG uh, T-shirt, and by the end of March, this end of March, this is gone. This is gone at the end of March. I'm going to come up with something for season four. If you're an artist, you want to work with me. I do pay. I'm not asking for free art. Uh, come chat with me on Discord or email Full Metal RPG Biz at gmail.com. So. Um, realistically, that's pretty much, uh, about it. Just, uh, you know, I'm glad for the help. I'm glad for my friends. I'm glad to be back. Thanks, Nolan, for being on. So always, everybody join the patron, uh, come to the secret patron channel where you, yeah, you get to, I get to, I'm going to start putting the topic in the secret patron, Patreon channel, and then you can spit questions at it. This one was a little impromptu. We didn't know if we were actually going to finish the campaign. <laughs> it was we're pretty sure, we're pretty sure, but you know there was there was, was still just last night that we finished the campaign. Yeah, this is this is a fresh review. So, but really appreciate it. Come hang out. Discord's the best. Look at fullmetalrpg.com for a link to the Discord and all our other crazy shenanigans. So thank you very much. Good night, everybody. Rah. 